Welcome to Ordinary People, the podcast that provides a platform and voice to ordinary people by bringing together a diverse panel to discuss and educate on the issues of today and tomorrow in a free exchange of culture, thoughts and ideas. Welcome to Ordinary People, the podcast that invites members of the community to share their thoughts and observations on the issues of today and tomorrow. My name is Peter Jones and I'm your host. I was born, raised and have lived most of my life in and around Birmingham. I've played on the streets of Birmingham, studied in its colleges and learned in its universities. For the last 30 years, I've worked in the IT education sector. I'm a volunteer for Birmingham-based charities and good causes. Therefore, a good shout out to Loughborough, Let's Feed Brum and Birmingham Civic Society. The month is February and the year is 2021. For the past 12 months, the world has been battling a pandemic, but for centuries, many communities have been fighting the virus of inequity, social inequality and racism. In today's new world, we are under attack from keyboard warriors, poisoning minds and sowing seeds of division. Now, ordinary people are here to wrestle back that narrative. I have a panel of guests eager to join me in discussion tonight uh, on tonight's topic, which is healthcare and the black community. So let's just swing over to them and get them to introduce themselves. Eve, do you want to kick us off? Hi, everyone. I'm Eve Alexander, um, born and live in Birmingham most of my life. Uh, the last 20 odd years have been working in sales. The last eight years I've been working for a IT uh, reskilling organization. Excellent. Thank you, Eve, and welcome tonight. Cliff. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Cliff Folder. I'm the CEO of the anti racism training organization called About Face Training. Um, I'm born and bred in Birmingham. However, there have been periods of my life where I also lived in the USA. Um, certainly when I was younger, and now I've been based in Birmingham. I raise my four children alongside my wife. Excellent. Good to have you back, Cliff. Thank you. Uh, Alicia, welcome. Hi, thank you. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Alicia Shantiluk. I am a wife and mother of three daughters. I was born and raised primarily in Birmingham. I am a retired nurse uh, of 34 years nursing experience with a specialism in paediatrics. And I am currently the health lead for About Face Training. Hi, Alicia. And uh, it's your first time. Welcome to Ordinary People. Thank you. Zulika Lebeau. Hi. Hi, everyone. My name is Zulika Lebeau. I am an artist, a cultural producer and an educator. And I was born and raised in London. Thank you, Zalika, and uh, welcome back to Ordinary People. Okay, so tonight's topic, healthcare and the black community. Um, in doing my sort of research to start to find out so a few things uh, about the black community and healthcare in general, I came across a very interesting, if you want, statement from uh, the independent, yeah, the independent charity um, and the committee to bring in about better health uh, care for people in, in the UK. I just want to quickly read you a statement that they put out on the 5th of June uh, 2020. We, like many others, have been saddened and angered by the racism and violence that led to the death of George Floyd in the US, which has been felt deeply by many of the staff partners and communities in the Health Foundation. We stand in solidarity with the black community. While context might differ, the UK has its own issues of racism, and inequality to confront, which are no less profound. Black and minority ethnic groups experience a discrimination and disadvantage in the UK every day, including in the NHS and social care. Examples of this inequality are many and shameful. As underlined by this week's Public Health England report, the pandemic has had a disproportionate impact on black and minority ethnic groups in the UK. Racial discrimination affects people's life, uh, life chances, negatively in many ways, for example, by restricting access to education and employment opportunities. People from black and minority ethnic groups tend to have poorer socioeconomic circumstances. And it goes on. Um, I think 
I would I would agree uh, with a lot of what they have stated in their their statement in in June 2020. My first question to the panel, just to get us sort of kicked off, would you agree or disagree with that statement? Um, Eve? Um, I was hoping you was going to go to a health expert first, to be honest, um, <laughs> than myself. Um, I think from the perspective, if we look on the global pandemic and, you know, uh, there has been a documentary thing on Channel 4 about is, is COVID racist? Because there, there was a, a high, disproportionately high um, in the ethnic community, the black community and ethnic minority community, where there was a high percentage of people who had contracted COVID and also unfortunately died of COVID. Yeah. And what transpired, it depends how the media wanted to spin it, but I think originally they wanted to spin it, it's because we're physiologically so different to white people, that's why it was contracting COVID, but actually it was a social economic um social economic arguments so yeah in a way i do agree with that mm. in regards to a lot of my mother was a nurse for 30 odd years at some of that time she works as an agency nurse and when you delve down into those reports a lot of those healthcare workers were actually agency staff agency staff are always put where there is a demand. The demand is on the COVID wards. If you are constantly, you know, um, exposed to that disease, well, it's pretty inevitable that there's going to be a high percentage of that demographic that's going to contract the disease. Yeah. So to, in answer to your question, the shorter version is, yeah, I do pretty much agree with that. Okay. You sound very much like a healthcare worker. There, no, no. Don't, don't <laughs> insult people like Alicia. Definitely not. I just learnt no. what I've learnt off the, the back of a, a cigarette packet, as I would say. Okay. But, well, <laughs> Which is go, not healthy. <laughs> well, very, no, we, we'll talk about that later. Um, let's go to Alicia, in fact. Alicia, um, that statement by the Health Foundation, what are your thoughts? Oh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um for a variety of reasons, from personal experience, obviously working within the NHS, so I've experienced that myself, I've seen it. And um, going on from what um, Eve had said, there's a, a, an array of, of reasons for this. It, it's um, so complex, for example, as we said, it's um, over discrimination. Um, if you look at employment, if you look at promotion, if you look at representation in the you know the trust boards um government and so on and so forth so with the the policy makers um absolutely if you look at um the clinical staff and the um the actual hands-on care again that's hit and miss it depends on who you have and unfortunately racism race there is racism in health professionals um and and that determines the, the actual hands-on care that um, members of the, the black community um, receive. Um, again, it's, it's the socioeconomic factors. Um, um, it's also because you have health inequalities. So you have reports that will um, provide evidence and clarify um, the fact that black people um, have different health health issues so it's like it, health inequalities in the conditions that they actually have yeah. and again as Eve had said um it's it's usually tried to um they try to explain it away by saying it's biological it's cultural it's it's the diet it's the the genes um and so on um, and again as Eve rightly said it's socioeconomic so you have um poor housing you have um poor environments poor education poor um, access to public health information, um, those um, type of things. It's it's very complex, but um, yes, and 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 there's evidence as black women are five times um, more likely to die as a result of um, complications in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, we are more likely 
two times more likely than our white counterparts to have miscarriages. You have, and it's across the board, you have elderly care. Um, our elderly are treated differently and they have um, reduced access to um, investigations, for example, and, and, and screening and so on. You have obviously well-known mental health sector. Um, our, our people are um, less likely to be able to access psychotherapies. Um, they are more likely to be detained and treated um, with um, extreme force um, when they are detained. They are more likely to die whilst they're detained. You have neonates um, who, there's a report that came out not so long ago, um, and my daughter actually raised it to me, neonates are more likely than their white counterparts to die if they're being cared for by um, um, white paediatricians. Okay. Um, you, yeah, it, it, it's across the board. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so answer to that question. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. That's, that's a healthcare response right there. Um, thank you for that, uh, Alicia. Um, Zuleika. Yes, I agree um, okay. for all of the reasons that even Alicia have outlined already, so I won't go over those. But yeah. um, I think that what's interesting and what I always find interesting about these statements that are released is they always miss out the why. Mm. Yeah. They always miss out the why. They're always just like, oh, these things happen, and isn't it so tragic that it happened? And it's just like, well, you, you know why it happened. Hmm. You're very aware of why it happens and you've just conveniently left that bit out because it absolves you and the system that we're in of any kind of blame. It absolves you of having to do anything about it. You can just sit there with your tissue and say, oh, isn't that so sad that this is happening to black people? And then just like bop on. Yeah. And for me, that part is unacceptable. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess I want to ask you a question, which I will do in a moment, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll go to... I'll go to Cliff first for Cliff's response. Um, that statement, Cliff, um, are you in, in agreement uh, or disagreement? Are you going to disagree with the, the rest of the panel? I'm thinking, Cliff. Not on your life. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wouldn't be that brave. However, I do have a slightly different... Uh, it's not even different. I think it's in addition to what's been said. So we know um, that the rest of the panel have quite eloquently um, held up the fact that there is a massive social and economic imbalance here that has absolutely affected um, the, the varying results across, you know, so just taking into consideration COVID alone, massive disparity in the way people are treated. In the wider sense of healthcare in relation to people of colour, again, massive disparity. I think Zalika also said about, okay, and why? Because there isn't, um, no one seems to be truth-seeking what the people are doing. You're almost holding them, holding up a certain image and kind of saying, hey, this is happening. Okay, now next on the news is. Hmm. And for me, the, the whole problem can be looked upon in two different guises. One, social and economical, and two, psychological. There is a massive barrier from a psychological point of view, that needs to be addressed because in the same way that services don't seem to filter down to the black community, the black community are very sceptical of receiving a lot of the, the treatments available to people in general. So there's a social economical reason, i.e. we're not funneled towards certain types of treatment and where it costs, we don't have the funds to do so, but the psychological parties, we are talking about a people with a history of being experimented on. We're yeah. talking about a people with a history of being denied access just to see what would happen if we weren't treated for things. We are talking about a history of people. You can go back to Sarah Bartman, a lady who was experimented on and dissected to see, uh, you know, how her body was formed and that she was exploited and cut up and used, um, you know, paraded and, and putting glass jars for people to be able to see, well, this is the anatomy of a black woman. So then you have myths that permeate throughout communities that very much teach you from a young and early age 
if you can help going anywhere near doctors, medicine, etc., don't do it. Now, mm-hmm. you know, we, we also have, and there's another, there's another facet to this, which is from a spiritual background, we're people of the earth. So we are used to going to the ground and, and boiling up roots. We are used mm-hmm. to boiling bush. We are used mm-hmm. to very different remedies. And you put all of this into one pot. So there the needs to be exploration as to why, why there's distrust. And actually, the stats that, for instance, Elise, you has mentioned, are some of the things that continue to permeate that train of thought. There's massive distrust. Yeah. Then there's a reason why, why do those stats exist in modern medicine today? Well, you've got to start thinking about, okay, what, what are the um, psychological viewpoints of people when they look at us? When we complain of pain, perhaps we're not writhing in pain and rolling around on the floor because maybe we are um, trying to put on a brave face in order to appear more coherent and perhaps elicit a, a more empathetic response. But therefore, people just don't even see that we're in pain and need help. There are loads and loads of reasons that there is a disparity in between levels of treatment. But it absolutely starts with people do not seem to recognise us as vulnerable in any situation. And you align that with the social and economic reasons. And it does not shock me in the slightest that that black people just don't receive the same treatment. Okay, so thanks for that, Cliff. Um, yeah, that, that's a slightly different spin um, on, on what we've heard from the other three panellists. Thank you very much indeed for that, and thank you all for uh, your, your, your contributions there. Um, I guess what, what sort of popped out from that initial sort of discussion uh, is that there are the social, uh, um, socioeconomic factors, number one, uh, and, and the disparity... Um, that exists within various sort of communities. That's obviously very serious. Cliff, I want—I just want to kind of go back to something you harped on there, which was the scepticism within the black community around healthcare. Uh, and it's quite shocking and surprising that in this day and age that it still exists, because we're generations from. You know, if you take my my heritage, my mother and father were born in Jamaica and, you know, uh, raised in Jamaica till they were in their late teens, early 20s, but mm-hmm. have been in, in, in the UK ever since for the past 50, 60 years. So you would have expected um, uh, their, their views to have changed, to have modernised, to have accepted more. Yep. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, and, and I'm trying to wonder why that why that is the case um, in, in in healthcare. Are, are, are we getting the, are black people getting the same treatment as our white counterparts in healthcare? I mean, Alicia mentioned uh, midwifery, and um, you know, black women are probably not treated the same. But can we generalise and say that happens in all aspects of of healthcare? Well, I think the, the very short and sharp answer, Pete, is that there is a Black Lives Matter movement for a reason. Hmm. If we today have to have a Black Lives Matter movement, that means that it is in doubt and in question across all disciplines in, in communities and in society that make a difference. All the important ones, so educationally, um, health, economically, the major aspects are the ones that are failing to recognise this. So in, in terms of health, it just shouldn't surprise us. I think it should be, it should disgust us all or discuss us all. You know, we should all be disgusted by it. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But the fact that we still have to have a Black Lives Matter movement is the very same reason why our elders and subsequently us and the generation after us would still not trust the, the construct that is modern medicine. How could it? Black Lives Matter still needs to be around. So if that still needs to be around, one of the pillars of our society being our health sector would absolutely be in question. Yeah. If you've got neonatal children dying, if you've got the elderly dying, if you've got pregnant, pregnant people, uh, women dying at a larger rate, it's because we still need a movement like Black Lives Matter. 
Mm. Let's just be really, really real there. That's 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 a hundred percent. Just let's put it out there. Yeah. The very reason that we need a Black Lives Matter movement will tell you a hundred percent why the black community would distrust a major part of our society like medicine. But but equally, I mean, Eve Eve mentioned that um, her mother worked in the uh, NHS for for thirty years or so. Um, my mother worked in mental health services for the best part of 40 years. Alicia, uh, you know, said that she got 30-odd years uh, in, 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 in the NHS. So there's a lot of us, a lot of our people in the system, and we always say when change needs to happen, you need to change it from, from the inside. So by the side of things, we, we, we've, we're, in, we're in the system, we're in the middle, but we still don't believe. We, we you know... Ha- have we been able to make any changes? The fact that we've been inside of the NHS in great numbers delivering the service, but we can't instill any confidence in that service in our own people. That seems to not quite add up to me. Yeah, but the reason for it, because even though there are a lot of representation of us within the health surfaces, we're still not at the strategic places okay. in numbers. Right. And and that's as simple as that. If you're not sitting around the, the table to make those decisions, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how many foot soldiers that you have. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not going to change. Okay. So not enough. There okay. may be some changes. I yeah. don't want to say there's been no changes, yeah. but there have been mm-hmm. minimal changes. Okay. That's interesting. So we're back to leadership and influence yeah decision making yeah mm-hmm. again that yeah. if if as you said if we're not if we're not at, around the table where decisions are made then we can't influence uh we can't influence that service or services that would be accessed by by black people yeah mm-hmm. would everyone agree with that yep yes i have a, um, i have a slight a slight twist on that. Come on. Which is right. which is that I think um from what I've read and what I've heard from friends of mine who are in the healthcare system, the nature of the education of doctors in particular, I'm not sure about nurses, but particularly doctors, is to dehumanize black and brown people. And it's literally written in textbooks that black mm-hmm. folks have experience pain and have a higher pain threshold than white folks so i think even if you have the situation of having a black or a brown face in a high place Mm. it's the years and years and years of training Mm. that have gone into that you know being in that mode and the way that you have to think in order to get ahead that is also problematic in that situation so i i'm not sure if it's i definitely agree that it, it is a problem that we do need more particularly black people in higher places, but I also think it's the system of training and of thought that educates medical folks that needs to be changed as well. I agree. I agree with that. Um, Because if you, obviously, um, let's face it, the NHS was created and developed for um, white British public. It was to address the inequalities in the health in white British public. Um, There was no consideration, even though they called Caribbeans over, it didn't, there was no consideration. So, okay, we need to also meet their their health needs as well. Um, Unfortunately, you're talking 70 years on and that hasn't changed. So, um, so as you were saying, um, Zalika, with the training, obviously everything was geared for um, meeting the needs of the white British public. So you have things like, for example, um, if you're training a doctor or a nurse and it's about coronary heart disease, then it's pallor of skin, um, you know, pallor of lips, um, redness, you know, inflammation, then it's redness. It's, it's, it's those, um, those um, types of, of, um, of training um, that, that that's in place but also as well uh, my daughter actually is is a doctor and she is part of a project um to try and address that in dermatology so what um they're doing it's called skin deep and what they are doing is um 
getting photographs and um, information specific to black skin because, um, again, all all the textbooks, as she was saying, all the textbooks, when you're looking at psoriasis or you're looking at eczema or whatever, it's white skin. Um, um, So, yeah, um, I don't know why it's taken so long (laughs) to to address that, but you're right, it's it's to do with the training and and the other um, thing as well, as you were saying, um, there's in an, a training um, document that my daughter has, and it looks at, um, there's a question, what do you do when a patient refuses to be treated by a black doctor? And the actual answer to that, now this is, and it, it's still in place now, um, the answer to that is you get them a white doctor because the patient is always right. Wow. And even wow. though my daughter tried to challenge that, um, this she tried to challenge it, the, the response that she, she received was they will not change that, that the patient is always right. So you're right. It's this archaic um, training, this, you know, anglicised, this, this white British focused healthcare that they seem reluctant in 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 the the wider part they seem reluctant to to alter and obviously um if you you you, t- you teach that um black people have no nerve endings i'm being a bit facetious but you know what i mean we pain mm. pain mm. um pain management yeah. um then of course you're going to you you're not going to um to manage their pain um, effectively, because you're thinking, well, they're, they're, they're you know, they they can cope with that. They can they can deal with that. So mm. pain management is another thing that's very much a problem when it comes to um, the care of black people. There's a question on the tip of my tongue, which is, I wonder if there's a passage in that training manual that also addresses if it's a black patient who refuses to be treated by a white doctor. I, I would suspect there isn't. No. But it'd be no. interesting to see what the reaction would be if black patients refused to be treated. Because let's face it, there's probably enough brown doctors in the healthcare system for you to be selective if you're a black person, right? There yes. probably is, you know. Uh, but uh, it'd be interesting to see what the what the reaction of the NHS staff would be if that was, that was the case. I mean, we don't hear of those instances, but... Um, thankfully but uh it, it, i say it would be it would be extremely interesting so again i mean there are common common threads that keep on coming up in these podcasts that i do um obviously so socioeconomic factors um contribute to uh a, a lot of things um leadership and influence um you know if we're not in the at, at the table of decision making, then we can't make changes. Education, as we've just touched on, again, you know, um, trying to correct some of the falsehoods and misleading um, teachings from yesteryear uh, about, about black people, you know. Um, are, 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 in the NHS, are black people seen as human I, 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 I want to try and use another word but I, I couldn't find one are, are we seen as human are we are we seen as just the same as white people but just a different skin color or are we seen as different are we different than white people go on Alicia please yeah um interesting question because uh, I think there are two sides to that. And, and again, speaking from experience, on the one hand, we are viewed as um, having the same health needs as white people, that we've just got a different a different skin. And, and uh, to clarify that, um, when, I don't know how many years ago it was, when they, the NHS had suddenly realised that Asian people were not eating the foods in you know hospitalized Asian people they were not eating hospital foods they developed a menu um like Asian menu vegetarian Asian menu um 
but there was nothing for for black people and this what happened then you had black patients who were either reliant on their families to bring in food or they were having to select the asian the asian menu right. and that was um I think a result of well, Asian people are different. They have a language. They they have these particular needs because you know we have to book interpreter. We've got to get an interpreting system in place, mm-hmm. um, and and we have to meet their diets and we have to meet their their prayer. They knew all about sort of like um, Muslim having to pray and the prayer mm-hmm. mat and so on and so forth. But there was no consideration of that. Um, in the NHS for black people. I think fairly recently, I think there's some hospitals you can go to now where there's a Caribbean um, um, meal on, on the menu. But um, I've Are been you telling me that there's some hospital that is serving yam and planting and dashing, chocha <laughs> and all them things. I think it's more little rice and chicken. I think that's probably as far as, <laughs> as, far as they go. <laughs> they'll go with that (laughs) so yes on the one hand we are seen viewed as not needing um um not having any sort of particular um cultural needs another example i don't want to hog this panel at all but i just um another example is a very close relative of mine an elderly um obviously elderly caribbean woman who has been under the mental health care system for years and years and years and um, I, um, I was a health visitor at the time and I was unhappy with the care that she was receiving and she was always visited at home. So I rang the um, mental health um, hospital who were treating her and spoke to one of the CPNs and I was explaining that, you know, this is happening and, you know, um, I'm, I'm not happy. And I was absolutely a gassed shocked with her response and she said oh yes she said um she has a strong patois accent doesn't she and I said okay yes and she said um I'm the nurse I go out with doctor such and such to see her I think they they used to review her every six months and this this is no word of a lie this nurse said to me I think she was forgetting that I was speaking about a relative and I think she'd gone into the nurse colleague mode and she said to be honest we find it very difficult to understand what she's saying and um and I said right and I said so what do you do and she said well you know she says Dr so-and-so and myself we, we we don't really understand what she's saying so I said to them right to them right but you've been treating her for how many years on what are you basing your treatment plan wow. Um, And then she suddenly realised, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And I just said, right, would you have done the same if you'd gone to an Asian household and you couldn't understand what that patient was saying? Would you have just prescribed treatment and gone about your way? I said, no, you wouldn't. You would have booked an interpreter. So I'm, you know, so I put in a complaint, basically, because I couldn't understand this whole situation and how discriminatory that was so they were just prescribing the same treatment without actually assessing my relative needs and and planning accordingly um so that's the one side of that and then the other side the flip side of that is you're right there are times when they do view us as less than (laughs) so they um one of the things that i've noticed that that happens is for our elderly um they focus on medical staff um focus on how young the elderly will be right you are 79 my goodness you look really well and then completely ignore the complaint mm. that, that they have because they're, they're not going by history the history that they take they are going by observation yeah and so they look and they see this younger person and in their mind it's a healthy person so We've even had um, with a relative them say, um, oh, right, yes, your your blood results are abnormal, but you are well. Yeah, you look, because you look well. Yeah. 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 I mean, which, which, is, which is sort of a flip to, if, if you look at um, policing, for instance, you know, there's an issue in policing when looking at young, uh, young black boys who look older than their actual age, yeah, and that causes a problem with the way in which they're treated. 
so that you've got the opposite end of the scale now that when you're when you are actually old and you ne- and you need help and you 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 actually look younger than you are or you you perceive to look younger than what you actually are they they think that you're healthy so therefore they don't give you the due if you want consideration which is uh, i mean that's that's just worrying if uh uh, if there's if there's nothing else, I, w- I want to flip on to um, mental health just very quickly. And I know we are, we, we're not experts here, but in, in terms of mental mental health, there, there appears to be uh, a problem with the, the way in which um, black folk are handled by either the police or the uh, mental health services. Um, and I've heard it said that that. We're, we're not understood in terms of our black people's aggression and our, our nature. Yeah. It goes against us when, you know, we're, we're trying to um, either access mental health services or we're in need. That's probably a better way of putting it. We're in need of mental health services and support. Does, does, any, does anyone sort of, sort of agree with that? Yeah, do, do, do we do black people in general have a problem with being uh, either diagnosed correctly, being treated correctly by the by the police or the NHS when it comes to mental health services? This, oh, sorry, Zulika. Go on, Zulika. Yeah, sure. Me. Um, okay. Yeah, I think um, just from what I have observed and what has happened to me. So for transparency, I um, I went to the doctor a few years ago because I was having chest pains. And um, I have multiple chronic illnesses already, um, including two chronic illnesses that disproportionately affect black and mixed people, which is lupus and sickle cell traits. Um, so understandably, me having chest pains, I was like, am I having like a mini sickle cell tr- crisis? What's going on? Went in and uh, my doctor said, what's happening in your life? I had just been fired from my job, et cetera, et cetera. And um, she said, oh, it sounds like you uh, you have anxiety. Wow. And I wow. said, no, I don't. And she said, well, it sounds like you have anxiety. Now, what? I don't dispute that now I have anxiety. Don't dispute that at all because I get chest pains and all the rest of it. But what disturbed me about this interaction was that the first port of call was to diagnose me with anxiety, was to try to give me pills, mm. was to not check my heart rate, check, have, send me to have an ECG or any of that, wow. was not to, um, say, have some therapy. And obviously the reason that I couldn't have therapy is because the mental health sector is so depleted Mm. and i use the word depleted because they will say oversubscribed it's not oversubscribed it has been deliberately depleted right deliberately and systematically depleted um so my personal experience of this and this is just me and i am you know white presenting so i can imagine how it would be for a sibling of mine who is darker skinned yeah and it makes me very angry. So, sorry, so anyone else got any sort of thoughts on sort of mental health services for, for black folk? So, Cliff, hi. Okay. Um, I worked with pretty much predominantly in the uh, child healthcare sector. So, mm-hmm. I've run children's homes for years and years and years. And in a career that is, say, 20 years of working with children um, who have suffered significant levels of trauma, significant levels, if I tell you that personally I have worked directly with maybe five black children in 30 years, you'd have to understand that all of the demographics of children are funneled into therapeutic measures. Apart from black children, they go to prison. They go to child prison. Wow. And here's the thing. The resources aren't allocated to us. One of the reasons they're not allocated to us is that 
Actually, you need training to increase your ability to communicate with people outside of your, your own demographic. So actually, you need to know some certain nuances that would allow you to communicate effectively in order to treat children of colour. The same would go for adolescent children of colour, hmm. young adults, adults. You have to commit to being able to have an integrated level of practice to be able to treat effectively, which is pretty much what everybody is saying across the panel. Hmm. But the fact of the matter is that takes commitment, it takes resources, and again, if you are taught that we don't matter enough to do so, it would be really difficult for you to look at a black person in need of treatment and not find every reason why you can't just make a really lazy diagnosis and move them in a different direction. Wow. Again, this is the pillars of our communities, the pillars of our societies, written and built at times where we were absolutely not considered to be human beings. We were considered property. And therefore, you don't build these constructs with us in mind. If you don't build them with us in mind from the beginning, as my mum would say, what's up? Bad on morning, kind of good on night. <laughs> this will not change. So this is just the legacy of where we've always been. Is this some sort of institutional bias then as well? Because, again, I'm, I'm thinking, well, you know, black people have been in the system, mental health services, social care, you know, um, uh, just ge ge general sort of um, uh, primary care. And what. We've, been, we've been in the system. We've, we've been working in it. And, and to a significant, you know, we, we, I think the head of mid midwifery at the moment, it, I think she's a black woman, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not as if we're... We're not climbing the ladder, and we're, we're, we 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 haven't got a voice. So I'm perplexed as to so we are, it, why are these things still happening? You know, um, I, well, we've just witnessed a you know when Obama was in, he was yeah. conceivably the most powerful individual on the planet, yeah. man of color. Yeah. And we would absolutely look at his time in office and say that we felt he was doing the whole thing with both hands, tied behind his back. Mm. Um, and due to the fact that there were more power constructs around him, yeah. he wasn't able to make effective change. So realistically, the head of the whole NHS could be a person of colour. Yeah. It would be amazing to see how quickly they'd be exited from the job if they tried to make those changes when they're the only ones there. So yeah. you can put a token person of colour, you could put a token black person in any position in power, in any one of the, or all of the major um, major establishments and kind of institutions. Unless you can garner support for your ideas, you will simply just lose your job. Right, right. If yeah, you get above the parapet, then, you know, you're going to get it you know, in a whack-a-mole kind of style, you're going to get it sort of, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, right. It's just saddening, really, saddening. Um, uh, sickle cell trait. Now, this has come up um, in conversation before in a previous um, podcast. Uh, I know that, Zunika, you said that you've just, uh, you, you know, it's something that you suffer from. Um and I know that in a previous podcast, talking about the Birmingham area, that there were very few services that you know black people could access mm. to 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 go for help. Um, I, I don't know what that is like in the rest of the country, but for a place like Birmingham, that has a uh, a high volume of black and brown people who would could suffer with that, having one single um, point of point of access in the whole of Birmingham just seems to be ridiculous and um, spiteful, for want of a better term. How do, do you see any way in which ordinary people, normal people, the com communities of colour, communities who need help and support, health services, how can we change? How can we change that? How can we uh, motivate the NHS or the people, the decision makers in the NHS to 
to recognise that we need help and support. We need proper investment. We need proper services. We need access points. We need um, communication. Yeah, we, we we need some sort of marketing efforts. You know, when, when the AIDS ep- epidemic was was about, you, you got nothing but communication and marketing. You know, um, but it seems that if you're a black person in need of health services, that you know. You, you 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 you're taking a you're taking a bit of a risk getting ill and trying to access health services, which just seems a bit odd. Seems a bit odd. Has anyone got any 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 thoughts on what is there anything that we can do to just try and change that whole scenario? Um, I suppose it's 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 similar to what's being done now regarding the disparities. Um, of COVID-related deaths um, in relation to black, um, black and minority ethnic um, people, and that is in different areas. For example, for Birmingham, there's been quite a lot of of work done by Councillor Paulette Hamilton um, and by ch- with churches. So there's been a lot of um, Zoom presentations, um, YouTube um, presentations where um, members of the black community are invited and and they're usually well attended. I've been to quite a few of the COVID ones and um, we we were asked to um, submit questions um, beforehand. Um, Paulette had um, public health um, meeting with with, uh, members of the public health and GPs um, around the Birmingham area and um, and also members of the general public, as in black people, um, and questions were asked and um, Paulette had written, um, it was Paulette and the public health, um, chief public health officer, um, mm-hmm. they wrote a report which was sent to the Department of Health. Um, interestingly, when they received it initially, it was, we were promised that it would be looked at um, sort of urgently and that there'd be response at a certain um, certain deadline, certain time. And from what I recall, Paulette had to contact them again to say that you haven't done anything, you've downgraded the importance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I, I could remember exactly what it was, but I do remember Paulette having to address them and say, right, what's going on? You haven't you haven't done as you promised regarding, yep. you know, people are concerned. We, mm-hmm. You know, our community are concerned about that. So um, I suppose doing more of, of, of those those um sessions i know birmingham were doing it and i think um somewhere in london they were doing the same and i remember thinking well that's a shame because you've got they're isolated it's isolated but if everyone if if all different areas were doing the same thing and then sent you know a big (laughs) report and a big you know um lengthy report to the department of health Mm. um hopefully and then put pressure on the way you know um councillor paulette hamilton did hopefully that may may do something it's a difficult question but is is there anything the black community can do anything that we're not doing that we should be doing other than you know not not getting ill of course um is there is there anything that we could be doing as a as a people as a community yeah um as a family member because but i know that Currently, my mom is deliberating whether she is going to take the vaccine or not. You know, a few weeks ago, she was adamant that she wasn't going to take it. And I tried to squeeze out of her, why not? And, you know, there was no rhyme or reason, just that she wasn't taking it. It was, you know, produced too quickly. And there's no point in me talking to my mother about technology and how technology speeds up the production of, of, the, of these things because it just go over ahead. Um but that that's not an isolated case. So I imagine in, in the in the you know Black Caribbean community, probably the Black Afro Caribbean community, and probably the the Asian community. So is there anything? My question is: Is there anything that 
um, these communities can be doing to improve things for ourselves? I think um, picking up on the on the sickle cell piece, I think we have as a community have done or try to, but I think as Alicia said, it's about coming together as one community rather than this is someone over here is doing something. There could be different groups in, in one city that come together across the UK and lobby your MPs because it's right. We have voted them, and they are the ones that are going to make the you know the significant changes about the education piece, and also as well, it's going back to that black and brown people. We are a minority in regards to sickle cell is classed as a black or brown problem. I've got sickle cell trait as well, like Zulika, and and you know, growing up in the seventies. It still wasn't even that well known within the black community. There were black people who were dying in the dentist chair and they didn't know why. And the reason was because they had sickle cell and they were given anesthesia. And if you're not given the right anesthesia and the right levels of oxygen, which I've said before, you may not make it back out the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about that education piece within our own community, but also with the wider community as well. But it's about coming together collectively. It's no use someone over here is doing something and someone over there is doing it something. Like Alicia said, we have to come collectively together as, as one and lobby. What just flashed in my mind is a little bit like what Stacey Abrams did in Georgia was mm. to motivate all those people together to come as one voice to make a change. That's yeah. what we need to have to take a little bit of that example and implement here to make those changes. In regards to the COVID vaccine thing, you know, there is big sways. The black and brown community are just not buying into it. Um, and have some reluctance around it, whether they think it's too fast, whether they think we've been experimented on. It's come across as mistrust, mm. mistrust of the government. And mm-hmm. um, and this is centuries as well. It's not, it's not a recent yep. thing. Yeah. I don't think no matter how much the community try and come together, because there's such a large percentage of the community don't trust the government right now, and haven't and got good reason not to trust the government. It's through experience, and it's through experience that um, we don't perceive that the healthcare, that infrastructure is for for us. Whether it's from the Windrush you know, generation or before that, there was an article in the Guardian four months ago that said about sixty four percent of black people do not believe that they're treated the same as their white mm-hmm. counterparts in the health care system yeah and this is where by i haven't got the figures but i'm sure we can all guess that high percentage of the black and brown community do work in the healthcare sector somewhere or another and still we don't trust it yeah so i think i've got some figures here but isn't that indicative of the problem so we've got this this kind of cycle emerge whereby those stats, if we're talking 64% or whatever it is of, of black and brown people who don't feel taken care of um, by the NHS, if that's uh, if that stats correct, then what you have is every single black or brown person you know in England will have a tale about somebody they know yep. who was mistreated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm no mathematician, but that would absolutely stand up. So therefore, the real live paranoia is evident because the stats back it up. Every one of us know at least one. I personally know multiple people who have had horrendous treatment within the NHS. So that alone as a standalone um, kind of statistic will tell you everything you need to know. Then you've got the other part. And I totally agree that we need to, as one voice, one community, say we're not happy with this. But again, herein lies the problem, guys. We are begging for something everybody else gets for free. <laughs> the NHS is for everyone. 
And everybody else gets a wonderful experience of it. Yeah. But we have to beg for it. We have to organise and go cap in hand to the government. We're paying the taxes, guys, that quite happily pay mm. and take the money off us mm. for this thing. But we still are going cap in hand, you know, bowing our heads and saying, please, sir, I'd like some penicillin. Please, yeah. sir, I'd like some treatment. And then the treatment that we get, it's debatable as to whether it's accurate or not, because nobody is bothered to learn about our culture enough and how that would affect our treatment in case of medicine. Never mind the physiological part. I'm just talking about civil. Mm. You know, how, how do you, um, you know, we people talk with our hand. We are people who can talk metaphorically. We will talk about, you know, when we talk about pain, we'll talk about, Jesus, my back up on me and this, and, and all of those things. If you don't know what you're hearing, Mm. then what you hear is mental health. Yeah. You, you know, bearing in mind that, you know, from um, a physical point of view, our skin already weaponizes us and already sends messages before we even open our mouths. If you start gesticulating with your hand, this has been written down in your notes as came in very aggressive. You were simply mm. talking about how, you know, there was such a widening gap between whom we are and how we are seen, it would be impossible for us to be fairly represented. And then what will happen, as Eve's kind of said about agency workers and, and nurses, one of the reasons we are so overrepresented, if you like, within a certain level within the healthcare profession, whether that's in, um, in inner city care homes or nurses or auxiliaries, or is because we've seen everyone, everyone has this this story of someone who they know who they love who was treated badly by healthcare professionals so we genuinely want to get in and be part of the the the, the solution hmm. hence these nurses who who have unfortunately contracted covid many of them died in the black community were probably making sure that they got to the black workers because they know they wouldn't be treated well otherwise wow Start with. So we're talking about this 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 continuing cycle of yeah. I better get I better turn into work as an as a um as a agency nurse. Yeah, I'll go and see the black people because if not, they're not going to get treated well. You're overexposed, and now we just have more casualties in the community. Listen, um, <laughs> I, I feel as though I've opened up a can of worms here, and 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 the worms are taking over. Um, uh, it's, it's. I think I've bitten off more than I can chew. I don't know if there's any more uh, analogies that I, 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 I could use. But this is a far bigger sort of topic um, than one podcast series could, uh, one podcast episode could 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 handle. So uh, it's something that I'm going to need to to come back to uh, and come back to very soon. Um, I'll, I'll extend an invitation out to all of you that have contributed to tonight because i don't <laughs> we, we've got so much more to talk about i've got i've got so many questions and i'm sure you have got so many more questions uh, and and maybe experiences you want to share alicia uh, with regards to you know your experience um you know it, it's it's been a great thing that you've been uh, uh, part of the panel and shared your experiences your knowledge um of the the inside of the nhs with us uh, we may have been scrambling around the dark for a little bit longer if you hadn't been uh, on, on, on the panel. So I'm going to beg you to please come back when we do uh, a follow-up series and, and, and everyone else as well, because I think there's more to be discussed and more to be understood about about this topic. And maybe we need to um, um, you know, look at a specific area like mental health care, maybe, or social care, and do it in, in small bite-sized chunks rather than me trying to boil the ocean. Um, for that, I apologise to to you all and, and the listeners. I'll try and do a better job of uh, getting the right sort of topic in the uh, in the future. But um, we've run out of time. Um, I thank you all very much indeed uh, for your contributions, for sharing your thoughts and experiences with with us all. I've certainly learnt a lot again, um, and I hope to do a follow-up to this in the next sort of few weeks or, or month or so, uh, so that we can continue this conversation. Uh, until then, uh, this has been Ordinary People. Thank you for listening. 
You can now listen to Ordinary People on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Just search for Ordinary People by Peter Jones and click the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode and can catch up on all those episodes you have missed. And don't forget to check out our website www.opeducation.co.uk That's www.opeducation.co.uk Thank you.